This is the Thin Space Podcast. My name is Evan Chastine, and I have the great pleasure of hosting this podcast alongside Jody and Larry Green, the founders of Cloudwalk Ministries. Cloudwalk exists to help people fall in love with God. In this episode, Jody, Larry, and I are going to share how God has been transforming our hearts personally this past year in the midst of what seems like a growing disunity within our country, church, and communities. We'll begin with a prayer led by Jody and a scripture reading from the book of Matthew. Well, good afternoon, Father God, Jesus, our friend, Holy Spirit. We just... um... I feel like we've come to sit at your feet, Lord, and and allow you to guide us in this conversation around loving our enemies and and perhaps even a greater awareness for each of us and for all listening, Lord, of who is an enemy. Maybe today, Lord, you wanna expand our, our understanding and our hearts So we open reading from your word in Matthew. Your ancestors have also been taught, love your neighbors and hate the one who hates you. However, I say to you, love your enemy, bless the one who curses you. Do something wonderful for the one who hates you and respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them for that will reveal your identity as children of your heavenly father. He is kind to all by bringing the sunshine to warm and the rainfall to refresh, whether a person does what is good or evil. What reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Don't even the tax collectors do that? How are you different from any others if you limit your kindness only to your friends. Don't even the ungodly do that. Since you are children of a perfect father in heaven, become perfect like him. Well, Jody, what a beautiful translation that is from the book of Matthew. Very provocative words that encourage us to love those who are unlike us and and even our enemies. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about in today's episode, sharing our own journeys over this last year uh, of of how God has been transforming our own hearts and leading us into this love that excludes no one, uh, that, that includes everyone, including as you, as you read there, the ones that our ancestors have been taught to hate. Uh, that is that is no longer the way. The way is now love. So as we get into this episode, I want to read another quote here that I don't think is as powerful as that that reading, that that excerpt of script that excerpt of scripture. Uh, but it's from Abraham Lincoln, who who said, I do not like that man. I must get to know him better. And I must admit that is not my response whenever I come across somebody that I, I do not like. Uh, I, I rarely think, I don't, well, I don't know if I've ever thought that uh, initially. Uh, I, I typically think something not as nice. <laughs> um, and so I, it would be fun here, or I think it would be good here for us to 
share our journeys, kind of where we've been at over this last year. We're coming out of three podcast episodes that touch on this subject uh, in, in specific ways. Irvin talking about racial unity and what it takes to, to get there, the journey uh, of, of loving everybody. And then with Carolyn, the unity within the church, unity among Christians, among these streams that we've all experienced. And so uh, we're kind of taking a break this episode from interviewing and are going to share our own stories. Well, Evan, I, I love that word provocative because um, isn't Jesus provocative um, always? And I, as I was reading that scripture, I was just thinking about, okay, Lord, yes, um, I fall into love the lovable category most of my life. And, and, um, and in this last year, he's really gone to work on that in my life. Like, who, who are your enemies, Jody, and what does it look like to love them? And, and we were talking earlier about expanding this notion of enemies. And, um, you know, we understand enemies in terms of military or international kinds of things. But do we, do we really understand what Jesus is talking about when he talks about enemies? And I had found a definition for enemy from the Daniel Webster 1828 dictionary. And in the dictionary, he divides enemy into two, two categories, a private enemy and a public enemy. And in the dictionary, he writes, a private enemy is one who hates another and wishes them injury or attempts to do them injury to gratify his own malice or ill will. And then the public enemy, I, I think at least for me is the one that I, I always think of when I hear the word enemy um, is one who belongs to a nation or party at war with another. And, um, and in the history of um, the world, we've, we've certainly been aware of those kinds of enemies. So, so as we start today, I just think um, maybe to help others join us that today we're talking about that private enemy, that the, the, the malice or ill contempt or judgment or even fear of those that Jesus talks about as being different than us or, or who we feel we've been persecuted by or don't understand us. And, and I'm excited to go there because he's certainly been doing a lot of work in my heart over the last 15 months um, in understanding who my enemies are. Yeah. I think this year in particular, these things have really come to surface uh, for many people. It's been a challenging year. And before this year, I think I was a lot further on this love your enemy journey than I realized I am after having gone through the last 15 months, there, there wasn't opportunity. There didn't seem like there was opportunity to uh, react differently uh, than Abraham Lincoln. It was like, oh, I don't like somebody. It was easy to avoid people that I didn't like. And I think this past year, it's been unavoidable to uh, avoid people that at least were saying things that I didn't like uh, uh, in, in every arena. And, and so I just think we were presented with so many opportunities this year to see within ourselves, which is always where this journey of love starts, is, is loving ourselves. So as, as people would say things, and I would respond internally, this, this self-talk with unkind words or unkind thoughts towards another, it would, there's almost a, a, like I'm doing the same thing they're doing, 
just internally. And that in and of itself must be loved and, and, and acknowledge that within me is the same hatred and unkindness and lack of love for another that's causing me to even feel those feelings towards that other per- person. I don't know if that gets confusing or not, but the journey of love always starts within uh, and then continues to people, you know, I, I think, Jody, you mentioned this, people that are like us and then uh, our enemies. So yeah, what have you guys experienced over, over the last 15 months? Uh, have you experienced similar things? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, and we were talking about this earlier, but these, these last, I love what you just, well, what we've all been saying here, but Evan, just this, you know, in some ways, I know for me personally, and we've got some stories to share here, but in some ways, you know, we've been able to avoid those that we disagree with. And I have been able to do that. And one of the things that's transpired this past year, because it's all so open, is the realization that as, as he is, God has drawn me closer into his love, the realization is that I love a lot less than I thought I did. In other words, entering into the greater purity of his love is revealing so many places in which I thought I held love in my heart for others that I actually am not there yet. And for me, it kind of started about maybe 14 months ago, and I was in a quiet time, and 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 God just put on my heart to, to pray a, a prayer, which was, you know, Heavenly Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, please teach me to love my enemies. And you know how, I mean, know those of us listening, sometimes the Lord will put a prayer on your heart to pray to him, and you don't even realize what you're praying. But in a way, uh, we give him permission when we do that. And so anyhow, I did that without really, you know, there's a genuine interest, like, Lord, you know, I, I really want to grow in my ability to love people that I might call the enemies of my heart, meaning people that I disagree with, people that I don't see the world the same as. Um, and so, so anyhow, I, I prayed that, Evan, all those months ago. And what started to unfold in that was, you know, it resulted in, in the most challenging year, I think, that I've ever gone through. Um, and once I gave God permission to do that, and it started with the realization that I actually was holding hatred in my heart for people who hated other people. I guess I just didn't realize that it was there. And, and God began to reveal that. It's like, you know, my son, you're, you're hating people that are hating other people. And that's not the Matthew scripture, <laughs> you know, it's to love and to bless. And I'm like, whoa, I am, I'm not there. I'm just not there. And so that was kind of the beginning of it. And there's a lot more, but we'll be sharing stories here as it kind of unfolds. But that was a, that was an eye opener very early on, you know, a little, little more than a year ago. I think Larry, I had something similar happen as I was sitting in my judgment seat, so to speak of someone else. And the way, the way I received messages from God, you know, hear from God and just, Heard it loud and clear, Jody. It's not okay not to love. And it was that simple. And and 
I saw in that moment, I felt justified in my judgment. I won't say I felt hatred for someone, but I certainly was judging them as wrong. And, and that kind of started my journey of trying to um, open space in my heart. And then understand, Evan, like you said, like what is it triggering in me that causes this judgment? What is it revealing in me? And, and that's really the, for me anyway, that's always been the important part of the journey. Like I, I can't love someone else if there's something that I'm having a hard time loving about myself. And, and don't we all get triggered when we see something in someone that um, reminds us of maybe the, the dark within and, um, and just the understanding that that's what was happening. Like whatever I was reacting to was holding up a mirror to something within me that, that, that needed um, some loving. And the way we've learned to do that at Cloudwalk is to take those things to God, you know, to really take those things to, to God and give him permission, as you said, Larry, permission to do that deeper work. And, and over and over again, it works. And, and I think, as you said, Evan, this time over the last 15 months has just given us um, some space to really dig in a little bit if, if we were led, if God led us and, and heal some of those things. So I just remember that moment when he said, it's not okay not to love somebody, period. No, no excuses, <laughs> no justification. Kind of like God said, I bring the, the rain and the sunshine to all, whether they're good or evil. So, um, so uh, I'm asking you to be like me, you know? And yeah, that was a very powerful and, and beautiful way to, to say that. That, that stood out to me as you were reading it too. The sun and the rain. I think that's, that's also found in Ecclesiastes. Solomon, Solomon writes about that similarly. So yeah, like, I, I think in that piece of scripture too, it was maybe you can help me get the words right, but your father in heaven is perfect. So be perfect, my children, or, or, or something along those lines. You've paraphrased it perfectly, but it says, since you are children of a perfect father in heaven, become perfect like him. Yes. Yes. That's so beautiful. And what a worthy pursuit. How can you fault somebody for the pursuit? And that pursuit looks a lot like what I think what we're talking about today, which is a love that has no exclusions. The, the sun and rain shine and fall on the just and the unjust. That's a, a, again, a very provocative type of love to become, to become like our father, to become like that love. I know, Jody, you used, you know, the word judgment. I mean, we, we talk about, you know, our enemies and hating our enemies, but we can also judge our enemies in our hearts. And um, that's what began to unfold within me after this initial um, realization of hating those that hate others. And so what, what began to happen with me was the beginning of an answer to prayer that was, like I mentioned earlier, it was just really challenging. And, and what began to happen is I began to realize that I had people that in my life that I held judgment in my heart toward again, for just believing in things that were different than what I believed in. 
And my way of dealing with it was to avoid them. Kind of like what you were talking about, Evan, you know, it's like, you didn't have to. And so, but what, what was going on was, and I really, really, really believe it was God is that every day for what, for what turned out to be over five months, not every other day, not every week, but every single day, God was bringing people into my life that he was shining a light on my heart that was holding judgment toward them. And it was unrelenting. And, you know, some were on TV, some were on the internet, some were directly in my life, some were family members. And the, and the ones that were triggering me the most were the ones who said that, you know, what they were doing was in the name of God. And I knew in my heart that it, that it wasn't, you know, which I've done many times myself. And God was just showing me in no uncertain ways that there was some stuff inside of me that wasn't of him. And, you know, for the most part, as I was going through all of that, I mean, this is like day after day after day. And <laughs> I'd start out in the morning just full of God's love after my quiet time, prayer time. And then as I, w as I went through the day, I just like fell apart. I mean, it's like fell apart. Like th there was right back, you know, that judgment in my heart. And it was like, when is this going to end? And it didn't, it just kept going. And, you know, for the most part, I didn't try to defend myself. I would just ask for him for forgiveness for my judging heart. And, and, and then I, you know, he would just invite me into the next day and, you know, we'd go at it again. And, and, um, and about four months into it, uh, another revelation, another level of revelation came this is this is family, right, Evan? Like we're talking to family here, so I can, I can share family stuff with everybody. Um, the thin space family. <laughs> the thin space family. Don't judge me out there, family. So what happened was one of the areas that 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 I would literally justify my righteous judgment judgment was believing that I knew God's truth and they didn't. So you know, skirting around the Matthew scripture of judging my enemies, not loving my enemies, because I held the truth and they didn't. I know everybody listening can relate to that if we're really honest. But all of a sudden, I'm face to face with it, like day after day after day. And so if, if another person, clearly in my eyes, doesn't believe the truth of God around, you know, like abortion or the need for religious freedom or the injust, uh, injustice acted out daily against the poor and the oppressed, our, our need to see the equality of all people or sexual identity or masks or no masks or vaccine or no vaccines, whatever it might be, I was justified in holding my view of the truth above, above my need to hold love in my heart for the other person. And he started to shine a light on that. And my defenses began to crumble in the presence of God in my prayer times. And I was convicted in a really, really deep way that I was placing my need to be right over the need to love as Jesus loves. And it was unavoidable. You know, after all these years, I could avoid it and just, but, but all of a sudden it was unavoidable. And I had to, I had to really, really face it. I don't know if you guys can relate to that, but that, that, that was, um, and still is, but 
that was one of the most difficult things the just the realization of that that was living inside of me and and that God was inviting me into into a whole other place that I've been in some ways hiding from um since you're confessing Larry I think I need to confess here as God brought something to mind and um first what I what I was was um sensing as you were talking was this you know holding the truth and and we've talked about this over this time but is looking for those places that only affirm what we think is the truth rather than opening i think about um i was kidding with larry and and evan but I Googled, how do you make an enemy a friend yesterday? And it took me to WikiHow and it was quite practical information and good information. But the first thing was move to open the lines of communication. So I think, you know, that avoiding, that seems to be my my way of judging or hating my enemies. And, and so I had some friends that I loved dearly. They were on social media posting things that I didn't think were true, at least in my, in my truth, they weren't true. And I never commented, I never intended to comment, but through, you know, I have to believe it was God, um, through an accident, I commented something unkind on one of my dear friends, social media feeds, and wasn't even aware I had done it until I, I heard from her. And can I tell you people as, (laughs) like panic in my heart. It's like, oh my gosh, what have I done? But what I had done um, inadvertently and probably not the way anyone else would want to do it, but I'd open the lines of communication. And what, what happened is we got to have an amazing conversation about our truths. And it was actually a really beautiful moment. And and I felt like I was more at fault, of course, than she was, but we, all she offered me back was love. Like she said, I know your heart. I know your heart would never want to hurt me or anyone. And likewise, I love her dearly and, and love her even more because of the way she responded to what had happened. And, and I think more than anything, like it just was so good to have that conversation. It's not that either of us felt differently about the truths we we were holding at the time, but we did feel differently about the people who think differently than us because we love one another dearly. And I think back now and, and thank God for that moment, but at the time it was awful, hmm. awful, awful. Just imagine posting something on, on someone you love dearly that, that was not anything you meant for them to see. But, but I also thank heaven and Larry to what we were talking about, it revealed a really dark place in my heart. And I think that was God's intent all along. Like, like I want you to see what's in there, Jody, Um, because you are holding judgment about what's being posted. And that was a gift. Jody, I think I picked up on something similar or, or I was thinking of something similar as you were, as Larry was talking there. And it was this, you said holding truth, like how we hold truth. And over this past year, this phrase has continued to come up, and I, I, I don't know if it's a true statement or not. So I, I, I hold it loosely. Currently, in this moment, I think it's true, but I don't, I don't know. But it is 
truth does not need defending. And as I try to work this thing out and, and argue with myself on whether or not that is true, I, uh, what came to mind was Jesus in the garden with the disciples and being approached by Judas and, and Peter standing there with truth. So let's call Jesus truth in this, in this story. Peter stands there with truth and pulls out his sword to defend truth. And, and this is Jesus's response. And this is again in Matthew, this is Matthew 26, 52. Jesus says, put your sword back in its place. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. And I think about the times whenever I've wanted to defend what I feel is true over the past year, or what I believe is true, or even what I know is true. And I want to defend that. And I, and I draw the sword, whether that sword is drawn internally or externally, and I engage in a conversation or engage in some sort of conflict with somebody else who has a, they know their truth is true. And I know my truth is true. And so we both pull out the swords and what happens is we die by those swords. Like the, the, the very act of trying to defend what we think or what we believe or what we know is true is what kills us. And, and I, I don't mean like physically kills us, although I think this could play out in, in a way in which uh, this is where, this is how we get to war, which there is physical killing going on, but even just on a, a micro level, by, by drawing the sword, by working myself up. I mean, I can feel the heat in my body. That, that's not good for me physically. That's not good for my emotional state. It's not, there's, there's no good that it does. So I've been attempting, I continue to argue with myself on whether or not it's true that truth does not need defending because there's sure seem like times when truth needs defending. Uh, and I, and I, I don't know what to do with those times uh, right now. But there are, there are plenty of times that I can think of where the sword can be kept in its sheath and love seems to be the only option. And, and Jesus not only tells Peter this, he practices what he preaches and he willingly goes to the cross and gives up his life. He does not defend the truth that he is speaking. He does not defend his words. He says truth. He is truth. And he allows himself to be killed. And it's just a beautiful, uh, a beautiful story. And that's what I was thinking of, Larry, as you were kind of sharing your story. <laughs> oh, man, that that's uh, just, uh, you know, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It even reminds me of uh, a, a devotion and, and uh, God calling. And so this is, you know, for those of us that are not familiar with God calling, it's the, it's the book that actually inspired Jesus calling. And it was written by a couple of anonymous uh, women back in the, in the early uh, 1900s. And uh, they were hearing from Jesus, not unlike, you know, uh, the inspiration for Jesus calling, but anyhow, this devotion. So this is Jesus speaking. And he says, um, never judge. The heart of a man is so delicate, so complex, only its maker can know it. Each heart so different, actuated by different motives, controlled by different circumstances, influenced by different sufferings. 
how can one judge another? Leave to me, Jesus, the unraveling of the puzzle of life. Leave to me the teaching of understanding. Bring each heart to me its maker and leave it with me. Secure in the certainty that all that is wrong, I can set right. And when you were sharing what you were sharing, it was like, yes. That, that, that's almost like there's a deeper secret here that we're just unaware of. i am just been unaware of that, that he holds the truth. And that one of the greatest act of loves that, that we can give one another is rather than debate truth with them, is to lead them in prayer into the revelation of his truth for them that we can't understand. Easier said than done. <laughs> but you know, I, do, I don't know, just, you know, over this past year, and it's been so hard for all of us and Jody, the story mm -hmm. that you just shared, but I, I must say that as these, as God continues to reveal these truths and we pour into his word and um, it, I, you know, there's a change going on. There's like, there's a freedom, not needing to be right. There's a freedom in being able to love somebody that's very different and then say, hey, we may not see the same way on this point of view, but could we pray together? Could, could we go to Jesus in prayer and just see what he might reveal? Not to debate it, but just to, to seek him for his truth and, 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 and encourage one another to find it in him, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's, 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 there's a freedom that comes that's really hard to put words around. Free, free, free to love in ways that I personally haven't been able to, you know? You know, as we were reading the scripture from Matthew five, your ancestors who have been taught love your neighbors and hate the ones who hate you. Um, it makes me think, we've mentioned the previous two podcasts, one with Irwin and one with Carolyn. And, and I think back to one of the exercises we did in the Truth Talks was to look at our, our ancestry. And, and part of what he said in there, are you the ancestors of people who own slaves? Are you the ancestors of people who were slaves? Are you the ancestors of people who were abolitionists and fought against slavery? Or are you ancestors of people who look the other way? And, and kind of where I placed myself was as an ancestor of someone who looked the other way. And I, I think of the importance of looking at our history and because it, it, it has such an impact, as you said, Larry, like on, from that God calling, that's what made me think of this, just um, understanding our history and where we came from and, and and the beauty and the gift of that, but then also to look at the hard truth of that. And, and that was a hard truth to look at in that moment, to know that, and still to this day, knowing that I was one who looked the other way. Hmm. And, and boy, that just made me stop and, and kind of make the decision to, to change that history in my, in my own life. So the revelation of that was so important yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about you all, but I, I sometimes, uh, and, and this is just humanness, and and um, 
it's a good thing God's grace and love is as big as it is. But, you know, there's some verses that in the past I've kind of tried to avoid, you know, that there's like no wiggle room. It is what it is. And Just some? <laughs> well, there are a lot of them. You're right. There are lots of them. One of those, um, for me, I can remember, you know, reading this recently again, and and it's the first John 4, 19 through 21. Some of you may know this, but so this is John. He says, we, we love because he first loved us. And most of us, or many of us know that. And, and then he goes on to say, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. And, you know, as we've been sharing here, that verse says, Larry, my son, if you claim that, that you love me, and yet you're, you have hatred in your heart for your brothers and your sisters, then you're not telling the truth. And uh, he goes on, John goes on to say, for, for whoever does not love their uh, brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And it's kind of what you were talking about at the beginning of it is like there's, we can look for caveats in the perfectness of his love. There are no caveats. And in, in a way, it's like if we can, you know, I'm saying this to myself as much as all of us, but it's just like, I'd rather die to the need to be right and kind of get, in a way, get it over with. And it's like, Lord, I just, I can't do that. I mean, I'm too human. I can't love the way you're desiring me to love brothers and sisters that, that are different than me. I know you can do it, but... Um, but I can't. And I, I can remember sitting in this conviction, kind of like what you were talking about, Joe, this was a couple of months ago, and, and I, I had my journal out. And it's just one of those moments where I really sensed God speaking to me really clearly. And this, this was kind of like a, uh, I don't know if this is appropriate to say with God, but it was kind of a drop the mic moment, you know, it was like, and so but what he said, and what I journaled was my son, uh, do you not see that if you do not love all of my children, I cannot use you to invite them to me. And that was like, I'd never really thought about it that way before. And he went on to say, if, if they, meaning the people that I do not love, if they do not believe you love them, you will never be an influence for me in their life. They will never listen to what you have to say about me. You must always, always love others first, all others, just as I do. Then, and only then, will your life draw them to me. It is kindness and love that lead to repentance, not what you believe to be right or wrong. Please see this in your heart, my son. Please. And that, that was a profound moment. That was a profound moment. And it was like those, those people that are, <laughs> that I perceive as deep in sin, pick a topic. He's saying, if you don't love them, how in the world will they ever come to know my love? And it was, it was, um, 
that one little little intimate conversation uh, i think i think he's in the process of changing me forever with thank you for sharing that larry and in one of my conversations with carolyn aarons i don't believe this was on the podcast maybe it was she talked about she was um, in the middle of a writing project on the our father and she said something to me that that i had never heard she said within that prayer um, when jesus taught the disciples how to pray as he prayed is everything we need to pray as as followers of of jesus and that just blew me away. So I've been spending a lot of time in, in the Our Father, but I'm just looking at that prayer now, which is also in Matthew 6. And he writes in here, forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. And as I think about what happened with my friend, those words ring so true because I don't know that I've told her what a gift she gave me when she released forgiveness for the wrongs, because mm. I had wronged her. There was no doubt about that. And, and having experienced that myself, how could I not offer that to others? And I think now today, that's really where he has, has me sitting. Um, that there's some forgiveness that I'm being invited to, to step into um, in relationships in my life, um, where, like we mentioned, Evan, um, I'm not a confronter. I'm a, I'm a run away from rather than run at people, but I'm really good at running away when someone, when I feel wronged by someone. I'm getting much better, but there's, he's just showing, there's some relationships I've run away from and it's time to release some forgiveness so that I can step back into them. Mm -hmm. That's really good. You know, Jody and Evan, this has just been a really uh, rich conversation. And, and I just appreciate, and I know you guys too, everybody listening, that we can come together like this and just get real with one another and really, really um, know that it's just a safe place to be ourselves is because we're all uh, in process and he's transforming all of us uh, into his likeness and into his love for his glory. And, you know, it's a journey and uh, we desperately need one another. And, and, and just to say this to our, our community, and it's obviously our Clawaw community, but it's really way beyond that. It's the community of, of Jesus. And, is that our unity in Christ um, as a community is found in our love for one another. The love of Jesus that lives within us is what binds our hearts and separately is one. And, and, and it's the only thing that can. And, um, and there's another, another devotion in God calling that has been, it's just been really important to me because, you know, we've, we're always wrestling with this love and truth equation. You know, when do we, when do we share love and when do we share truth without the realization that they're inseparable? And so this one God calling, this was, this is June 3rd for those of you that have God calling. And Jesus says this, he says, remember that love is the power that transforms the world. Not only love for me, Jesus not only love for the few dear, but love for everyone, tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes, 
love. It is the only weapon with which sin can be driven out. Drive out sin with love. Drive out fear, depression, despair, and a sense of failure with praise. And I'm just beginning to really understand this. There is nothing more powerful in this world, in this universe, than the love of Jesus Christ. Nothing. And it is the only thing that has the power to drive out sin. It's, it's not me holding what I believe is right about what the truth of sin is. That's not what drives it out. I, all you have to do is look at your own life, look at my own life, and what has driven it out, what is driving it out. It's, it's, it's his love. So, so again, our, our unity in Christ as a community is really found in our love for one another that has to come from, from him. Larry, even that word used there, it is the only weapon. And it takes me straight back to, to what I was mentioning earlier. When faced with the, this desire or this need to defend truth out of fear or out of anger, that the, the, all the things mentioned in this, this short little passage, instead of reaching for the sword, that, that, that will lead to a death by sword. Reach for this other weapon that we have available to us, which is the weapon of love. And I've, I've never thought of love as a weapon. And, and so that is standing out to me, that that word in particular is striking against the backdrop of the story of Peter drawing his sword and, and Jesus's response to him as Jesus shows him another weapon, uh, which is the weapon of love. Kevin, I just, love that image of Peter with his sword um, that will speak to me forever. And what a beautiful way to close. And I guess my question for each of us, and, and this is one of those, um, not a question to be answered, but a question to ponder, I guess, um, or remember, we grow from remembering those times. And the, and the question is this, or the observance is, haven't we all, like Peter, died by the sword? I know I have. Me too. More than once. As always, this podcast is meant to be more than just information. May it provide space for you to encounter God's love. We invite you to pray with us and participate in an imaginative prayer led by Jody. An imaginative prayer. A beautiful and somewhat mystical way we can connect with and grow in knowing God relationally is through the spiritual practice of imaginative prayer and meditation. Using imaginative prayer, we enter a scene from the life of Jesus with our senses, listen to God and ourselves, and reflect on what we are sensing in the silence. As we become still and imagine together, allow the events of Jesus' life described in today's story from the Gospel of Matthew to become present to you. You are invited to become aware of our Lord and Savior's very presence with you right now 
in this thin space. Open yourself to the revelation of the divine mystery. Become silent without and silent within. Listen for the one you love. Visualize the events of this story as if you are taking part in the creation of a movie. Give yourself freely to the process and allow things to unfold as God's spirit leads you. Saint Francis de Sales encourages us by often turning your eyes on Jesus in meditation, your whole soul will be filled with him. You will learn his ways and form your actions after the pattern of his life. Together, we turn our gaze and our longing to you, Jesus, so that our whole soul, our entire being will be filled with you. Today, we pray for the grace to know you, Jesus, more intimately, to love you, Jesus, more passionately, and to follow you, Jesus, more closely. Today, we long for a personal encounter with you, Jesus, through the gospel account of your life in God. Our hearts are open and our spirits are willing. Come, beautiful spirit of God. Come. Matthew 26, verses 47 through 56, the Passion Translation. Jesus returned to his disciples after taking time to pray in solitude. He found his friends asleep and woke them saying, don't you know the hour has come for the son of man to be handed over to the authority of sinful men? At that moment, Judas, his once trusted disciple, appeared along with a large crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent to arrest Jesus by order of the ruling priests and Jewish religious leaders. Now Judas, the traitor, had arranged to give them a signal that would identify Jesus, for he had told them, Jesus is the one whom I will kiss. Seize him. Judas quickly stepped up to Jesus and said, Shalom, Rabbi. And he kissed him on both cheeks. My beloved friend, Jesus said, is this why you've come? Then the armed men seized Jesus to arrest him. But one of the disciples pulled out a dagger and swung it at the servant of the high priest, slashing off his ear. Jesus said to him, put your dagger away. For all those who embrace violence 
will die by violence. Don't you realize that I could ask my heavenly father for angels to come at any time to deliver me? And instantly he would answer me by sending more than 12 legions of angels to come and protect us. But that would thwart the prophetic plan of God. For it has been written that it would happen this way. Then Jesus turned to the mob and said, why would you arrest me with swords and clubs as though I were an outlaw? Day after day, I sat in the temple courts with you, teaching the people, yet you didn't arrest me. But all of this fulfills the prophecies of the scriptures. At that point, all of his disciples ran away and abandoned him. Let's rest here for a moment. Take a deep breath in through your nose and exhale through your mouth. And as you breathe deeply, perhaps close your eyes and notice your breath. You are invited to engage your imagination and notice the details of this place where Jesus has been. What do you see? What sounds do you hear? What do you smell? How do you feel as you engage with this scene? What is your physical, emotional, and or spiritual response to this narrative from Matthew?
who gaze lovingly at each person in God's story. Prayerfully imagine each face, each story, each heart. Serve each one in their needs. Consider having a conversation as God leads you. See the disciples. See Peter. See Judas. See Jesus. See yourself in this story. Notice where am I in this scene? And allow God to speak to you through your memory, your thoughts, your feelings, your imagination. Allow the images and the people to quietly fade away until the only thing that remains are you and Jesus. Imagine Jesus looks directly at you and asks you a question. My beloved friend, do you love me? Notice the ways you have experienced Jesus. How do you desire to respond to him in this moment? What is your heart longing for?
as you depart from this sacred time with Jesus, please take a spiritual bouquet with you from your encounter with him and remember the revelation of his love for and devotion to you. As we close, we pray God's blessing over you. We pray that our perfect Father would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. We pray that by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. We pray that you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. We pray this extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Thin Space Podcast. This podcast is made possible because of generous donors. If you'd like to support the work of this podcast with a tax-deductible donation, you can do so on our website, cloudwalk.org give. If you are unable to support financially, you can support us in prayer and by leaving a comment and review on Apple Podcasts. Your review goes a long way in helping us reach new people with the love of God. May the Lord be with you. Thank you.